This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on The Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. As we celebrate our country's independence, we look at how the urban landscape has evolved over the past few decades. With rapid economic growth in the late 20th century, towns and cities have truly played an outsized role in our nation's development. But how will our urban environment change and evolve as a result of this pandemic? How will digitalization, environmental sustainability, transport innovation, and shifting population demands reflect on the shape and size of our towns and cities. Joining me today, we have a panel discussion with Datin Mazrina, Vice President of the Malaysian Institute of Planners, and Imran Clyde, Director of City Expo Malaysia, to discuss the way forward. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Now, I want to go back exactly a century ago which was in 1920s, right? And imagine yourself in the shoes of one of Malaysia's first town planners, Charles Compton Reed. Now, he planned Taiping's Lake Garden, Merdeka Stadium, Sungai Bersi Airport, and so on and so forth. What do you think was in his mind when he surveyed this greenfield landscape called Malaysia then? Um, well, that's a very tough question, actually. Um, but I am also glad that I am actually a... Uh, typing bond. So I can really relate to um, your question. So basically, um, what he has done, I think, is excellent. You know, when if, if I look at typing, uh, planning, um, even now, it has not changed. I mean, in terms of the road layout, in terms of the layout, it has not changed that much. If you see um, how Taiping has been developed earlier, it has um, maintained a lot of the natural uh, terrain and it has worked within that uh, terrain itself when you look at um, uh, you know, the development within the hillside and whatnot. Mm. And it has um, uh, leveraged upon uh, the lake gardens, uh, the lakes, the, the parks and whatnot. And it integrates the, um, it makes it uh, the, the lung of, um, uh, you know, the, the city itself. And then it puts, you know, um, the facilities, the school um, within where people live. You see that, um, you know, um, there are a lot of schools in Taiping uh, has been put in in the city area, you know, mm. uh, in the town centre area because people live in town centre. Um, uh, um, people uh, stay in town centre. So schools are not being put at, you know, outside the town centre. So at that now, in town centre itself, like in city of um, 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 uh, main city centre, you can't build new schools anymore because the price, uh, the land price are, are, are high. So basically what, what Charles Street have done, I would actually uh, uh, do it the same thing, you know. But this is so fascinating about urban and town planning principles that stand the test yeah. of time. You know, what we talked about was a century ago and you're saying, look, I wouldn't change a single bit, right? So Imran, how do we ensure that when we think about our future, right, with respect to town planning, 
how do we make sure these principles always stand the test of times? Because there is this concern that there are always these short-term pressures that come through, right, that compromise all that. It's It's been quite interesting in the sense that uh, cities have been changing rapidly and part of those uh, responses are due to changes in technology, mm. uh, changes in transportation, infrastructure. And, um, you know, if, if you look back in time, uh, the function of towns changed as, you know, different modes of transportation were created. It's sort of pushed into uh, some towns sort of fall by the wayside and then some new towns sort of uh, pick up from there. But uh, looking into the future, I think technology is going to play a massive role in, t- in, in town planning from my perspective. You know, we've got new technologies coming out like uh, autonomous vehicles. We're looking at drone dri- deliveries. So even the function of roads, function of parking spaces, uh, how cities are planned may change uh, while still maintaining this element of a people-oriented uh, focus. I just want to add on further to it, whether um, uh, from uh, the previous town planning approach and and now with the pressure and whatnot, we have to move forward and um, adapt or or evolve. Huh? Yeah. Um, the most important thing, the the sustainability pillars are still being uh, being referred to. You know, the main sustainability pillars: the people, planet, and profit, community, environment, and economy. Um, is is always being referred to because all these three has to be uh, looked at in balanced manner, or else um, uh, it will be difficult to achieve a good planning uh, approach. The pressure for densification wasn't as much as maybe you see in other countries, right? We are more well-known for our urban sprawl. We are more infatuated with our cars. So we want garden space. So this concept of big boulevards, of, of finding these places where we meet in person, doesn't really resonate so much with Malaysians. So am I right or wrong? 15, 20 years ago, yes. Um, we would go into, you know, Rawang, develop Bukit Beruntung uh, because uh, the idea of people wanting to live in, um, um, uh, having a landed property, you know? Mm. Everybody wants a house with a land, you know, so that uh, that's the idea, even not just in Malaysia, but in Australia, yeah. you know, European, everybody wants a house with a with a yard, you know, uh, backyards and whatever not. So, but, um, but after a, um, um, a, a lesson learned from other countries also, um, we tend to um, uh, maximize the resources. You know, going on urban sprawl, you have to spend a lot of resources into building big roads, you know, infrastructure into nowhere. Mm. And and yet you have to build schools where there's not yet enough population. So you have to spend a lot of money into something that is not being utilized in totality. So uh, Malaysian... Uh, also um, evolve in terms of planning and approaches. We look at utilizing resources where it is. So that is where you know uh, urban regeneration comes in. You know people needs to live closer to where resources are, mm. so that we could be able to you know live a more sustainably um, in the future. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, based on a behavioral shift. So, you know, as Datin Masrina rightly pointed out, at one point it was 
considered a status symbol. But when you look at the younger generation now, I think looking at the, the, the trend as far as millennials and, and beyond Gen Z and so forth, the, the idea of property ownership is changing. Uh, and we're seeing this in Western countries and that's slowly creeping its way into Malaysia as well. You don't need to own a car now because there's Grab and there's, there's uh, other opportunities, you know, other forms of uh, public transport which are being put in. Even the, the concept of home ownership is changing. People are willing, you know, as they're more mobile, they're willing to rent uh, and then sort of upgrade and it's much easier. You don't have the baggage of a, of a home loan that keeps you in one place uh, permanently. So, and what's interesting is that I, uh, for me, the younger generation are definitely concentrating more in cities because it's a reflection of their lifestyle preferences as well. So you you will probably be hard pressed to find a Starbucks, you know, outside the city center, you know, in, in a much more remote town. So all the entertainment options, lifestyle preferences are all concentrated in cities. But this is the challenge then, right? You will see then a hollowing out of smaller towns and cities um, because they don't become relevant anymore. People move back into the city. Isn't there the risk that all these wonderful, quaint, small towns from Bentong to Rawang, they just hollow out and become irrelevant? How do these cities respond? Because, you know, Masrino, you were saying Taiping still maintains its essence, right? There are very successful models of mid-sized towns here that can still make it work. If you were in the shoe of a mid-town town planner, what would they do then? Uh, in Malaysia, we have uh, documents, a planning system. Um, uh, now, in Malaysia, we have, uh, at the national level, we have the uh, national physical plan. At the state level, we have the uh, structure plan, eh? state structure plan. At the city level, we have the, um, uh, uh, what we call it, rancangan uh, tempatan, local mm. plans. So, basically, all these uh, towns are being planned uh, in line with the state structure plan and also national physical plan. So um, why why we start at national level so that we know that the bigger resources are evenly redistributed or we know the location of the main uh, uh, resources, then it goes to state. So each state would have its proper planning strategy in terms of where to build, where to maintain, where are the big open spaces, where are the industry, and where are the commercial. So it will create its own economic activities within uh, cities within a state. And then the town itself would have its local plan where it plans uh, also the same thing. It plans at the local level where are the employment centre, where are the commercial centre, where are the residential and what are the population that's going to be generated within that area. So basically, these are the guidance uh, by the mid, uh, midtown planner, uh, midtown town planner within certain cities. And these documents are being reviewed for the, uh, for the local plan every five years for, um, for the uh, structure plan every 10 years and for the national physical plan every um, every few years, it will be reviewed and see whether the the key performance indicator has been achieved, you know, what it's supposed to achieve being achieved, what if, um, 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 you know, whether there are changes in terms of trends, you know, things like that, whether the population are being achieved in certain uh, areas. And and uh, uh, we can't deny that pandemic has actually 
interrupted some a lot mm. of the planning so mm. uh, it will it will definitely in the next review it will change a lot yeah and i think the pandemic is another conversation we should have and how the pandemic will affect uh, future town planning so we'll be back with more after these messages stay with us bfm 89.9 Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. With me today, we have a panel discussion with Datin Mazrina, Vice President of the Malaysian Institute of Panas, and Imran Clyde, Director of City Expo Malaysia, to discuss urban development. Now, we ended the last conversation about how the pandemic would fundamentally change urban planning. Imran, I wanted to get your perspectives. Where do you think the impact will be felt most? My feeling is that the pandemic is going to affect uh, livelihoods. So we were talking to UN Habitat at the soft launch of City Expo Malaysia, and they highlighted that between 119 to 124 million were pushed back into extreme poverty. You know, so it's it's reversed a, a global trend uh, of, of uh, improving poverty over the last 20 years. So city resilience and sustainability has been pushed to the forefront. Um, that includes how we can provide uh, social protections as well, uh, and as well as in terms of uh, improving the coordination between, you know, making sure housing is safe, you know, you've got uh, offices, you've got different, different aspects of the city itself. But that safety aspect has also come to the front and people's perceptions of what makes for a safe space. So we're already talking, we're already hearing that, you know, people are changing where, lift buttons are being placed, you know, they move to the floor. We've actually seen that trend uh, as well. Are we going to see mass testing sites in, in public spaces? So there's a huge conversation that's still happening around this. Do you think the impact of this pandemic is going to be felt now or it, it has long-lasting impacts? Is this just a short-term aberration? Yeah, um, um, uh, this pandemic has um, uh, hit the community and also for for us like uh, town planners it's already hitting us at the moment you know how um we do all our all our work um in terms of designing it has to be now relating it to how um you know how are we going to design spaces design areas uh, to be sensitive of, you know, if there any future pandemic is going to happen and whatnot, you know. So, you also, Imran, were talking a lot about, you know, design at a micro level, at a specific location where it's really designed to be safe now. But if, if you were in the shoes of the government, right, at a macro level, where I design towns and cities going forward, right? What do you think the government needs to do? Previously, we were talking about, you know, promoting public transport, um, uh, looking at how uh, public spaces needs to be uh, developed at a smaller area within residential development. With uh, with this current pandemic issues, uh, you know, uh, hitting us, um, are we still going to design small spaces uh, do we need to be a bit more sensitive in terms of how people gonna you know spend time uh, at a more uh, a proper distancing within each other but at the same time um, we would be able to you know uh, allow them to you know uh, spend uh, you know uh, do recreational um, but what about people at the um, um, uh, apartments building you know they have like 
300 units within one strata development. They have small uh, gardens within their area. How do they have, can they spend time, you know, um, within that particular area? With that's a lot of people, you know, have to spend. And previously, safety of a city is only looked at in terms of physical you know, um, uh, in terms of crime rates, in terms of, you know, um, accidents, in terms of whatever, um, uh, all about physical. But now, safety of a city is also looked at in terms of if the cases of uh, COVID or pandemic are high within that particular city, it is also considered as not safe now. Mm. So, safety of a city are not are being looked at in a different angle altogether. Yeah. So we're measuring differently now going forward, right? Yeah. Measurement yeah, of measure safety, me- measurement of quality of life, totally different moving forward. It's totally different, mm. yeah. And that will relate to how we design. Um, I just want to touch on, uh, you know, how now people are, uh, uh, do shopping using online. Previously, we designed shopping centre. You know, we designed commercial activities area. But now, do we have to change those, you know, parameters? Do we have to shrink um, the commercial centre? Do we have to convert whatever the existing commercial centre into other uses? You know, or because people are now, you know, still contemplating, do, do I go out to shop? Do I shop online, safer for me? You know, you know these are some of the planning parameters that we have to relook. The guidelines have to change to reflect all this. So so to, to me, the government have to... Yeah, because it must be a total nightmare to not know what is the future trend. You know, you don't know whether retail malls will still be around. You don't even know whether schools from a physical outlet will be there permanently, right? And that is going to affect how you design cities going forward, right? So Imran, in view of these so many moving parts, you're essentially like trying to fly the plane while build it at the same time. At what point do you just say, look, I, I have to make sure that these are the things I need to do and just bite the bullet and design it in this way, right? The, the access to uh, internet access has sort of come to the fore. Uh, that infrastructure um, that allows everyone in Malaysia to be able to engage, uh, to have access to education opportunities. Um, you know, if, if someone in, in the kampung, for example, cannot access the internet, how are they going to take part in, you know, learning? So then uh, that infra- internet infrastructure becomes absolutely important. And that has a long-standing trend as well. You mentioned about the hollowing out of towns earlier. Um, if, if, if all these places had internet access and work was transitioning to a work-from-home model, then there would be less pressure on you to find job opportunities in the city because, you know, you will be able to still be able to work from home. Hmm. Uh, it's a great example that you gave, that you have to fly the plane and build it at the same time because cities transition so slowly you don't see it, it happens, it works by magic, but over time it'll, it will, you know, even in 10, 10, 15 years, you have a totally different environment around you. And I think that's one of the most interesting thing about cities is that it's constantly evolving every day, although you may not see it happen. This evolving organism which you talk about, which keeps on being agile and adapting to the environment you, you are kind of living and operating in, 
For that to really be successful requires just engagement on another level. It requires multi-stakeholder engagement. And we talk about all of society, all of government approach, right? So can you maybe perhaps share with me, you know, the intention of City Expo Malaysia? So the conversations, as I mentioned, cities don't operate by magic. You know, we put our trash in the rubbish bin and it doesn't just disappear. You know, there's someone who, who operates that, that goes to a waste center that's processed. Um, there's a whole ecosystem that happens. It's almost exactly like what you said, a living organism. And there's so many stakeholders involved in various segments of, of you know, city management. You've got uh, internet, water, waste, uh, renewables, uh, energy. There, so the goal of City Expo, Expo Malaysia here is really to bring these stakeholders together alongside existing city managers like our local authorities and we've got a number who are participating to have that discussion about where our cities are going, uh, share feedback in terms of how the pandemic will affect them. But it's also an opportunity for Malaysians to, to the, the general public to come in and discuss, learn a little bit more about how cities work. Forums like what you're doing, which is great, right? It's, it can end up being a bit of a potentially theoretical, right? So as you made a very interesting point, Imran, about how do you get the public engaged, excited and move forward, right? So Masrina, in your experience, right, what do you think is the best format and way to engage the broader public for them to buy in in this whole concept of designing your home and your town and your city? The best way in engaging them um, is basically um, uh, to talk to them, you know, to know what's their problem. So um, we have done this um, a lot. Um, we have uh, we have done a lot of seminars, conferences with various um, with various partners. Huh? We have done with Petaling Jaya. We have done with Kuala Lumpur uh, City Hall and whatnot. And every time during our um, uh, seminars or, or conferences, we have sec- sections of where we involve the community, uh, stakeholders, um, in discussion so that we would want to know their issues and we would want to know what they want and we want also to um, uh, to share with them the knowledge of how they would be able to manage issues at their city level. Um, so same as uh, City Expo Malaysia. Um, City Expo Malaysia, we also bring in, um, you know, forums, um, five days forums at the first week of the month, where we also bring in um, experiences uh, from local, whether it's uh, local authorities, whether it's from MRT, whether it's from the developers. And we're also bringing in international experiences. We bring in uh, from mayors from various countries. We have mayors uh, forum um, within all the five days. Um, and we have them to share their experiences and how they rebound back after pandemic or during even now um, uh, so that we would be able to learn. Because as you said just now, we are, we everybody are still struggling and also figuring out how are we going to move forward Absolutely. and rebound back after, you know, all this uh, episode of COVID-19. So this is, this is the forum where we could learn from from other cities. Well, it goes to show that I think engagement, sharing of experiences is so critical for us to really build yeah. dynamic and agile cities. 
Uh, that's all the time we have for today's property show. Thank you for being on this show, guys. I've been speaking to Dati Mazrina, Vice President of the Malaysian Institute of Planners, and Imran Clyde, Director of City Expo Malaysia. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.